Breaking down Wisconsin basketball. This is The Swing with Zach Heilprin and Jesse Temple on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yes, welcome in to The Swing. Badgers, 3-0 and week. Uh, we, uh, obviously, we talked after the Purdue game. Wisconsin went, high, went ahead and won two more games. They took care of Iowa in, in what was a blowout before the uh, little J-Bo show at the end uh, to make it closer than it was. And uh, then obviously went on the road and hung on to beat Maryland after blowing a, a 21-point lead. But hey, wins are wins, and Wisconsin's got a lot of them. They're 13-2, and 4-1 and one in Big Ten play, and certainly I don't think anybody saw this coming. They've got uh, a couple of they got a huge week uh, coming up. I should say the ne- a huge next 10 days. They've got uh, Ohio State on Thursday. They go to Northwestern and then they get an unbeaten, at least in Big Ten play, Michigan State team uh, at the Kohl Center on the 21st. So it is a they keep coming, right? The, the games keep coming. But let's let's jump into what they were able to do this past week. Jesse. It's the first time since 2019 that they've gone three. zero in in seven days in the Big Ten with two of those games being a road game. So uh, January 2019, it's been it's been a few years since it's happened. Uh, let's start with the Iowa game. That was a beatdown. Like, I, Iowa, they they are a solid offensive team, but they are not tough, and they do not play defense, and Wisconsin got whatever they wanted whenever they wanted. Yeah, I think the most encouraging thing, obviously, is that all five starters scored in double figures because as we've been discussing since the start of this season, we've wondered who's going to emerge potentially as the third scorer. Johnny Davis is having an incredible season. Brad Davison is doing his part. I know we'll get into Tyler Wall, particularly what he did against Maryland, but to have all five guys score in double figures, uh, you're right, Iowa not the most sound defensive team, so that probably contributes to it, but it gives everybody confidence. To me, it was the Johnny Davis show again, especially in the first half. And that was such an entertaining thing to watch, particularly knowing that there were, what, 18 NBA scouts in attendance at that game. Brandon Harrison, the SID for the basketball program, I believe tweeted it out that in a typical game, there's, what, two to four NBA scouts. So obviously they were also there to see Keegan Murray, but and who also got his, wound up with 27. But Davis had 19 points in the first half. He just scores in so many different ways, and it, it if he's on the floor, he's going to deliver. And to me, that was that was cer- certainly my first half takeaway is how much fun it is to watch him and how much he stepped up in a key moment for Wisconsin. He did. And again, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a huge like it wasn't the the 37, you know, what I mean, like 37, 14 that he put up against Purdue. But it was another really good sound effort. I, I just want to go back to Iowa here for a second. Yeah, like I, I feel like the the head coach. And the players, they exhibit like this idea of toughness. But then when it comes to actually playing with toughness, it doesn't happen. Like uh, Stephen Crowell is going to be, I think, a really good player for Wisconsin. But he got whatever he wanted against Iowa, which has not been the case against any team that, you know, plays physical for the most part. Like he he obviously didn't have a great game against Purdue. I mean, everyone struggled against Purdue because it's Zach Eady and and those big guys. But like, I, I, what? Why is it so disconnected from their their perception um, and, and just like the the toughness that they try and like say off the court or you know through their actions with with Fran McCaffrey? Like why? How is it? How is there such a disconnect between the two? It, it feels like they're paper tough guys. <laughs> well, Iowa is a tempo team. That's that's 
what the Hawkeyes have been under Fran McCaffrey. And coming into that game, the Hawkeyes were averaging 87.4 points per game, which was second in the NCAA. And I'm not saying you can't be a tempo team and also be tough, but I, 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 I equate toughness and what you're talking about and Kraus sort of getting his, and he did go six for eight from the field uh, to defensive ability. And I just, I, for whatever reason, I don't think that's a strong suit of Iowa's program because they want to get out and they want to score. And sometimes it can be tough to do both. Well, um, I mean, if you put the clamps defensively on teams, that's going to limit your ability to get possessions offensively. I, I, I don't know that I have an answer because I'm not in that locker room, but I just think the style of play that I was built on is about getting it out and going. And yes. I, I feel like when you use the word toughness, a lot of times to me, at least you think of what Wisconsin is defensively. Now, the great thing about this Wisconsin team is that it can do both and it's getting out at a quicker pace than it has traditionally. But that's sort of what I think of. Um, I was a little surprised that Jordan Bohannon went on Twitter and <laughs> was was ranting um, after a loss. It wasn't necessarily the best look for him, but he's been around for a long time and I suppose can say what he wants at this point. He wasn't alone, though. I mean, he wasn't even the first one to do it. Uh, after. So let's, I mean, obviously the, the big controversial play that the Brad Davison that that meant that meant literally that meant literally nothing and it it turned a double digit lead into it it turned a double digit lead into another into a bigger double digit lead and they Wisconsin was up by 20 or uh yeah I mean they were up a lot uh in that game the fact that it was a nine what did it end up being a nine point game was completely completely flies in the face of what that game was I mean that was a blowout that was a blowout there's no there doubt were eight about seconds that. left. There were eight seconds left in the first half, and Davison uh, got fouled on the three. Patrick McCaffrey fouled him, fouled him, and claimed that Davison stuck his leg out. Which, and then the officials explained. Ex- they explained that at least from their vantage point was that there was hip to hip contact. But either way, Davison made all three free throws to give Wisconsin a 45-32 lead. The Badgers were already up by ten points. Yeah, <laughs> so I mean, I, that's yeah. The, just the context of when it happened. Right, and Iowa made a little bit of a run there. Uh, in the start of the second half to get a little bit closer. But again, I like, did he, did he stick his leg out intentionally? I mean, I've seen at times, Brad, like it's kind of his shot at times. Like that's just kind of who he is. He did one. He did one in the corner against Maryland la- last year that uh, he stuck his leg out. And he made the shot and then it got wiped away by Boborowski for, because he said he kicked his legs out, but that it's kind of like in that, in that falling away area, of the court, like just, you know, at the baseline, it's what he does. This one, I think you could probably make the argument that he did, but uh, the official said that there was hip contact, right? That's that's what they said, and, and that's what it is. But for them to go, uh, Patrick McCaffrey went off on it in his little post-game press conference. I thought, you know, Fran probably was the most, uh, he wasn't even asked about it. Um, Brad was asked about it, and Brad said he got him on the arm and the leg. But yeah, uh, Jordan Bohannon, because this went back to last year, last year's game at Iowa, where it was a close game. It was a tie game when he flailed like, uh, what do you feel? Uh, you know, those things that those blow up things on the side of the road, like at a car dealership, a wacky, wavable, inflatable yes. arm. Of course. Yes. Yeah. He did that when coming off a screen, when he shot a three that he missed and Demetri Trice got called for foul and he made all three free throws in a game that was actually decided in the final minute, like, and, and he took offense to the idea that they were somehow the same, essentially selling it both. But yes, it, the, the, the crime from the, and, and, and Connor McCaffrey too, is as in, 
insufferable as, as ever. Um, you know what I mean? Like I, I know, uh, look, he is there. There's no doubt about that. He's, he's, un, he's insufferable. And I, and I totally feel for like opposing fans are coming from when it comes to Brad too. Like he's been around for so long and he does have a, you know, there is some history there. So I, I get when people say, yeah, but you watch Brad, uh, Brad Davis on daily basis. That, that's completely accurate. I do. Uh, but Connor McCaffrey's insufferable and Brad's not uh, as a person. So it, it seems like so. But either way, th- this is just all all my thing saying is like Iowa got blown out. And this is what they're crying about afterwards when they got pushed around all over the court. And all they can do afterwards is talk like they, they, they have nothing to to back anything up with because their play just wasn't good enough. It, it wasn't tough enough. It wasn't good enough. They let Wisconsin did what it wanted on the offensive end most of the night. Yeah, I mean, for that even to be the talking point after the game is a little bit surprising. And uh, maybe some of it is simply frustration. I was 11 and four overall, and yet the Hawkeyes are sitting here at one and three in the Big Ten, four games into their conference season. So they've got a ways to go to climb out of there. I, that, that's not the play that decided the game at all. No. I mean, I, it's, it's really quite silly. And it has more to do with what Wisconsin was able to do over the full 40 minutes. And like I said earlier, the fact that all five starters scored in double figures. You just don't see that very often with this particular lineup that Wisconsin has, and it has a lot to do with not only Wisconsin's ability to make some shots, but I was inability to defend, which has been an issue for a while. Well, it's a, it's an issue, and it's why they haven't gotten past the Sweet Sixteen in quite some time. You know what I mean? Like, I, their best team didn't even get to the Sweet Sixteen. They had the National Player of the Year last year. They had their best team in the history of their program, and still got knocked out in the round of thirty-two. So. offense is all great and everything, but you have to defend at some point. They just don't do it. And uh, it just flies in the face of who they seem to be personality wise with what they actually are on the court. Either way, uh, Wisconsin won that game. Then they go on and build a 21 point lead at Maryland. Maryland erases it uh, and actually takes a lead of their own. But Wisconsin, as they've done all season, uh, completely the opposite of, of Iowa. They fought. They fought. And, uh, and we're able to keep the game close. And Tyler Wall, obviously, the biggest game of, of his career, goes 21 points, five rebounds, five for five from the free throw line, made key plays time after time. And he's become one of the better post players. And, the, and obviously, it was a little bit different this time, a lot of driving, but post players that Wisconsin's had. I mean, he's a, I, I don't know who to ca- compare him to because he just he's a little bit different. Uh, but he was huge. He was the story of that game. And the, the difference between Tyler just being a guy and being what he was in that game and what he has been of late is aggressiveness. For whatever reason, there are times when uh, offensive aggressiveness, because I think defensively, he's going to do those things consistently. He wanted the ball in those critical situations. There were multiple occasions in that second half when he had the ball at the top of the key or near that area and took his guy off the dribble and scored a left-handed layup. He was aggressive, he was confident, and he wound up leading the team with 21 points. And he was in the mix basically every time they needed a bucket when Maryland got back the lead or it was a one-possession game. Ayala had some huge moments in the second half to give Wisconsin or to give Maryland the lead. Wall would slash to the hoop, he would get a dunk, he would get a nice pass, and he's he's crafty under the basket too. And I, I just think he he is we've talked for so long about who can be that third scorer and Wiz is going to be a consistent guy. That's been hard to say, but Tyler has it in him. And if if that version of Tyler is on the floor, 
then there are not very many teams. I don't think that can stop Wisconsin this season, given that you've got a national player year candidate and a veteran with Brad Davison who can do so many things. Well, you throw Tyler into the mix playing at that level and Wisconsin has a chance to be really special. They definitely do. Um, Again, they Johnny didn't necessarily have a great game offensively, right? I mean, it was seven for 19, one of seven from three. And yet, they found a way to win. Like if you, if, if Johnny's going to have an off game and I know 19 points is not an off game, right? <laughs> like it, it, it is for him just because of, of what he had done to this point, you know, when he's averaging close to 23, a game, him going for 19 and him needing 19 shots to get those 19 points. But I, I do think it is a, a step in the right direction that Tyler was able to do that. Cause I, he, he still has yet to hit a three pointer. I believe he's now Oh, for 17. Yes. On the year. Insane. But he's done, I also think without him, there are several games that they lose, including this one, like it, without his contributions. You, you think back to St. Mary's as well, that he, where he had, uh, I think, 18, which was a career high before this one, he had 16 against Iowa, fought his butt off against uh, you know Keegan Murray, even though Keegan got, got 27, he still fought. And I think he made it as difficult as, as he possibly could. What Tyler has done is, I think, is exactly what people were hoping for going into this year, isn't it? Oh yeah, 100%. I mean, to be, he's the third scorer. He's averaging just a shade under 10 points per game. And for the most part of late, I think this is what he's given you. And in, in Purdue, you know, he only took four shots. He scored six points, but if you look for the last five games, he scored in double figures. He had 12 against Nichols, 18 against Illinois state, 16 against Iowa, as you mentioned, and then the career high 21 against Maryland. And he got the career high with over six minutes left in the game. He, his 19th point, it was just as I was talking about one of those drives from the top of the key where he scores with a left-handed layup to tie the game. Basically every bucket when it was a one possession game, it seemed like came for him, came from him. And he hit a couple of free throws to give Wisconsin the lead for good. But I think he's made the leap that Wisconsin and fans were hoping for. And it seems like it's starting to come a little bit more consistently. And maybe this is the type of the game where it's a mindset that he can just continue and you build on it and you build on it. And he can be this player the rest of the way this season, because Going into the season, the goal all along with Greg Gard and Brad Davison was how can you help Johnny Davis and Tyler Wall be those guys that are next, um, be those leaders of the future. Now, at the time, I don't know if any of us thought Johnny might be gone after a sophomore season, but either way, those were the two guys you were eyeing to say, it's your time to step into more of a leadership role. And you also have to execute on the floor. And, and Tyler's starting to do that more consistently. What do we think about the progress of Stephen Crowell? Because he had a huge three-pointer in that game, scored nine points, had eight rebounds, played just uh, you know played twenty-two minutes. Him and him and uh, Chris Vogt still not necessarily splitting time, but there's um, both both are uh, getting a healthy share of playing time, I should say. But what do we think of what he's done? Because he also had a, a solid game, as we mentioned before, against Iowa too. Can he build on this? Can he can he kind of become someone that you can count on? Because there were there was a stretch there where I think. Uh, you know, vote was, was kind of putting it in the category. Maybe I should be the one that's starting. And I don't think that's been the case here. These last, at least the last two games. And I, I think I would even give him a, a break for what he had to do against Purdue. Yeah. I, well, the three that he made in itself shows that he's got the confidence to take it. Cause at the time it's 57 all there's a little over four minutes left. Hepburn passes him the ball and he drills it with a bunch of confidence to give Wisconsin that 60, 57 lead. I think he can build on it. Uh, You know, he had 21 points against Illinois state. He had 12 against Iowa and had the nine and eight against Maryland. Obviously he took a major step in stepping into a starting role this season. I don't know how consistently 
I mean, he's still an underclassman. And as we know, playing the bigs that you have to play in the Big Ten is a significant challenge. Just, I suppose, watch that Purdue game. But they still won that game. I think he's making strides. It's just a matter of, like I was talking about with Tyler, being a little bit more consistent. Um, You know, not a great three-point shooter, but who is a great three-point shooter on the team this year? But I think the fact that he made that, it was clutch time. It was money. One more thing from the Maryland game before we get to Jim Polzine. Brad, at the free throw line, final seconds of that game. Yeah. Badgers, Badgers up one, 70 to 69. Him going to the free throw line. He misses the first. He had made, I mean, he's, he's the guy that you want at the free throw line, right? Like he's the one, no matter what. After he misses the first, when you're looking at that, you're thinking he's going to miss the second on purpose, right? Or what did you think? It's hard to give up a free point, but I thought that was the right decision or it would have been the right decision since you're asking me before the shot happened. Yeah. So he did miss it on purpose though. I mean, it was, and it was, I think the best looking miss on purpose in a long time. Like it, (laughs) it was, it was almost his exact same free throw stroke, but it was a little quick at the end so that I I think to make it go long, I don't know. Cause that thing almost went in. Yeah. I, it was perfectly executed, and it's easy to say after the fact that it was the right decision because Maryland didn't score and Wisconsin won, but I thought that was a great call and great execution because what it did was it prevented, it prevented Maryland from being, being able to run a set out-of-bounds play and just have to scramble and heave a 60-foot shot, which is exactly what happened. It's a low-percentage opportunity, and so it was well-executed all the way around. But Do you think they should have done that in the 20... 20- 16 uh, 2017 NCAA tournament. Uh, remind against, me of the specific game. They all blend together against Florida. Oh, <laughs> um, if it would have gotten Wisconsin to the, the next round, then probably <sighs> off the top of my head, I can't remember if they had a timeout or not. I mean, if, if Purdue had, I mean, if um, Maryland had a timeout, maybe it's a different situation. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head if, if uh, Florida did or did not have a timeout. I don't think they did. Despite the fact Wisconsin lost that game, I, I, it's still the discount double-check game. Shout-out to, to Shoei. Yeah, okay. I, 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 <laughs> that's how I remember it. One other thing, though, that I did want to mention about the Maryland game, because um, if you can't get enough Johnny Davis, I'm so impressed with the number of ways that he can score. Just look at what he did in the first half, for example. Every field goal that he made, it felt like, came in a different way. He, he buries a transition pull-up three from the right wing. He buries a mid-range pull-up, Jay. He posts up and he, he hits a kind of a fadeaway. He can take guys off the dribble and score at the rim. The best play that he had all night was he took four Maryland defenders and still scored at the rim. I'm just so impressed. It's not a one-trick pony type of situation. He can score at every level. And it doesn't even matter how many defenders you throw at him. That's, that's the other thing that I wanted to mention to me that stood out from the Maryland game. Even though he didn't have his finest performance Every time he scored, it was impressive. Yeah, it definitely was. And he is, he's fun to watch. You know what I mean? I'm trying to, uh, among guys are just fun to watch and they do it in a different way than, than maybe perhaps the normal Wisconsin guy does it. it he does it, in, as you said, in so many different ways that it's, you don't, you don't ever get bored watching. You know what I mean? Like they're, because he does it in so many different ways. So he's a unique guy and it's, he's a, he's the guy, one of the guys we talked about with Jim Polzine. From the Wisconsin State Journal, Lee Enterprises, he's the columnist 
for uh, Lee Enterprises, covers all kinds of things. Everybody that is listening to this podcast obviously knows he used to be the uh, beat writer for the Wisconsin State Journal covering the Badgers, and uh, we had a good conversation with him, and here that is. And we do bring in special guest, Lee Sports Wisconsin columnist, columnist, Jim Polzine. Jim, thanks for joining. It's obviously always great to talk with you and uh, in your new role. A little bit different than normal here on the swing, but uh, always glad to have you. Uh, Wisconsin off to a start that I don't think anybody saw coming. They're 13-2. and two. They're 4-1 and one in Big Ten play. They just finished off a 3-0 week, including a win at number three, Purdue. Out of all that's happened, whether it's Johnny Davis or different guys playing in different roles or different guys stepping up, what's been the most impressive thing from this team so far to this point. Can I just interject, first of all, that you had trouble saying columnist the last time I was on the show too, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. So good and job I was reading up with that tradition. And I was reading it directly off your profile too. Like I, I, I didn't want to screw it up and yet I still can't read. So I'm in radio, uh-huh. but I can't, I can't talk. It's a hard word. Yeah. I, the, the biggest surprise to me is Johnny Davis. Uh, not that I, I thought he'd make a jump this year. He's made a bigger jump than I thought. Um, was possible this early um, because, you know, you look around and um, I think a lot of what else is happening is about what I expected. Uh, they're struggling from the three point line. They're struggling to defend in the post at times. Uh, some of the role players are having a little bit difficult time kind of getting up to speed. And yet here they are uh, 13 and two and four and one in the big 10. And, and a lot of that has to do with Johnny Davis. It's not a one man show by any means, but his ability, I mean, I just didn't think we'd be talking about National Player of the Year. And, and you know, I've got people asking me this week in the mailbag um, to compare this season of his to other great seasons at UW individually. And, you know, he's right there. I mean, he's got a long ways to go there. So I think that's the biggest problem. And again, not to imply that they're a one-man show, but um, I can't imagine where they'd be without him making this this huge jump. Can you give us a preview of your answer there in terms of comparing some great seasons? Cause Zach and I were talking in recent episodes about guys that have come close to this, these types of seasons, Evan Harris had a, a great one. Obviously Frank Kaminsky was national player of the year. Orlando Tucker. Is there, where does this compare? I, I know it's a, we're only about halfway through the season here, but from what you've seen, how does it stack up? Yeah, I mean, it's right there. I, like, I, I put the caveat in there that it's just it's too early to say because um, it's halfway through the season and, and it can go either way. Like, I, I think he could have more signature moments depending on where this team finishes in the Big Ten or advances in the NCAA tournament. I think that all plays into my individual season, even though those are team aspects. I just think how far a player can carry a team is important when you're doing lists like this. Um, I did I, – I have a cutoff point of mid nineties because the, the question was kind of starting with Finley. Um, so I threw out anybody before that and, and, you know, mentioned some really great names. I just haven't not seen those players. Um, and certainly that being that long ago, I just kind of drew the heyday of Badgers men's basketball program as a cutoff point. But yeah, the ones you mentioned, so I had, I had five of them. Finley in 1993, 94 had a really good individual season. And that was also the year that they, ended the 47 year NCAA tournament drought. So I think that deserves consideration. Uh, Devin in 2003-04, you know, was a second team All-American and and just had a great individual season. Most outstanding player in the Big Ten tournament that year. Um, Tucker in 06-07 was, you know, basically the runner up for national player of the year. Kevin Durant was the runaway winner, but Tucker got the only two other votes from the 72 member panel. 
uh, Jordan Taylor in 10, 11, um, again, another second team, all American great season. And then Frank in 2014, 15. And, you know, the thing I mentioned is for all these guys is they, none of these were one man shows. They all had probably all five of them were playing along somebody or some or multiple players who are probably considered among the top 25, 30 players in program history. But, uh, um, you know, each of those seasons were pretty amazing. And, and I, I, I want to see where this goes from here for Johnny, because I do think that if this team somehow ends up, um, you know, winning the big 10 title or making a deep run in March and, and he keeps up this pace, then he's absolutely in that conversation. Obviously it's been a, a great season as, and an unexpected one. Does it feel like they're living on a, a bit of an edge at times? They're, they're eight and one, I believe. And I think I saw a stat eight and one in games decided by six points or fewer. They, uh, this, this from Bart Torvik since 2010, they've had, uh, leads of 20 plus times that have gotten whittled down to three or less. It's happened five times, I guess. And uh, three of those are this season, including obviously the Maryland game. They won all of them, uh, Maryland, Illinois State, and Houston. But is, does it feel like they're living on a bit of an edge at times? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I guess the, the counterpoint to them blowing big leads is that you have to be pretty good to build a big lead yes. in the first place. Yeah. But yeah. I think, I think the, the bigger point here is that some of the things I mentioned before still scare me about this team, particularly the three-point shooting. I, I don't know how sustainable this is if you're only going to shoot 29.5% or whatever they are from three-point range. That's That'd be one of the all-time worst uh, marks in program history. Maybe the worst. I'm not sure. Um, so that's that to me is like, you know, I, I wonder if it's sustainable. And, and, and at some point, does Johnny get tired and wear down? And then how else do you score? You know, how else do you win games? Um, the other thing is, you know, I think Stephen Krause made a pretty big jump lately but his foul trouble and, and Chris Vokes foul trouble still concerns me. I just think you have a lot of matchups yet to come against some of the best big men in the country and, and how do they match up in those? So, you know, I, I know I was tap the brakes guy about a month ago. Um, I'm probably less tap the brakes guy now, but I, I do think that there's flaws with this team that I wonder will creep up at some point. Jim, you wrote in the last week about the pace at which Wisconsin is playing, um, in particular, how quickly Wisconsin was shooting the ball relative to how it had performed in recent seasons. Can you shed a little more light on what you wrote about? And I, my question for you is how much does Wisconsin's slightly faster pace matter this year? Yeah, so, I mean, I, I went back in Ken Palm and they're averaging 17.7 seconds per possession. That's their average possession length, which is a full, I think, what, 1.3 less than their than last year, which was their previous fast mark in 13 seasons. Ken Palm's only been tracking this stat for 13 seasons, so this would be the fastest team in 13 seasons. I think it's safe to say it's the fastest team of the bow guard era because Ken Palm did track tempo numbers, and, and those are not – it's not a – apples to apples comparison, but it's, it's pretty close. So um, I guess the one part of that column was that this is something that they've been talking. I remember talking to Dean Oliver about this when I did something on the 2020 recruiting class and that's, Hey, they're selling these kids on, we're going to be something different. If you guys sign on, um, we're recruiting guys like you that are athletic and, and can get up and down the floor and we're going to let you play faster, smart, if, as long as you play smart, but also faster. And, and so this is really fulfilling a promise that Johnny Davis, Jordan Davis, Chucky Hepburn, all those guys heard during the recruiting process. Um, to me, it matters because I, I, I just see guys playing more 
freely out there. They're not, they're not second guessing decisions they're making. I think that's been a little bit of an issue in the past is guys would shoot early in the shot clock or make dangerous passes. And they'd, they'd look over their shoulder to see if there's somebody waiting for them at the scores table. And again, I want to reiterate that good guard has always, and bull Ryan before him have always been okay with their teams playing fast, but you got to play fast without being reckless. And I think this team is kind of balancing that marriage pretty well. I, I think they're, you know, they're, they're playing fast. No, we saw, we saw, they saw them build a big lead the other day while playing fast. We also saw them waste away a big lead while playing maybe a little bit too fast. So there's, there's a really fine line. I thought Johnny Davis took some shots that, you know, weren't great. Now, when you make, when he makes them, it's like, wow, this team is playing loose and playing free and, and up speed and it's great. Um, and then when they're not going in, it, you can kind of take that the other way. So, I think overall, it's a good thing. I think if you're a recruit watching this program and watching the way Johnny's playing, um, maybe if you wouldn't have considered UW in the past, at least you're now considering them because you see that, hey, Greg Gard's a man of his word and, and, and they will play up-tempo if, you know, if, if all these rules could be followed too. I believe the school record for worst three-point shooting came in 1997-98. They shot 29.7%. So. They're right on pace to... to- yes match that yeah yeah that team went 12 and 19 and was three and 13 the conference this team already has four wins in the big 10 so i mean I, I, yeah, no it's crazy right yeah it's it's it, usually shooting like that does not go the way that it's gone so far for wisconsin but when you look at what johnny has done it's again it's only a half year do you think it is kind of or it should quiet the people that say don't come here if you want if you have nba aspirations like the way that eh, it felt like it did with with jalen Johnson and, and uh, Tyler Hero, like they didn't think what Wisconsin did could get them to the NBA. And obviously both of those guys left after their first year, Johnny's in his second year. But do you think it's quieted people at all? Can I, before I answer that, can I ask you guys a question? That perception exists, right? I mean, I'm, yes. I'm not, I, I didn't pull that out of thin air and make it up. No, it, it exists for sure. Okay. Because Brian Butch was on his radio show last, or last week, late last week, he had Jake on and Jake mentioned my story about Johnny and Butch basically went off and said it was a lazy take and he hated the article. Um, <laughs> it was a take proceeded. from Johnny's dad. No, but he, he, the take he's, it was, it was one paragraph in that story in which I mentioned that there's a perception out there. I basically answer Mark's Mark Davis's quote with saying, just stop and think about what Mark Davis just said, that he's sending his son to UW because he thinks it's his best path to the NBA. And my response was just stop for a minute and let that quote marinate because it, it goes against a perception. Now I don't agree with that perception, but there is a perception and you can oh, see sure. it on the recruiting trail that, that some kids are not even considering UW because they don't think it's the, it's their best chance to get to the NBA, which I think is ridiculous, but it's absolutely a perception. And yes. Butch seems to disagree with me, um, but will not give me, you know, didn't reach out to me for comment, but instead have a colleague, you know, somebody else on, which is completely asinine, but there's my rant. Yeah, um, well, you well, you guys, you guys have had some nice back and forth since uh, in the last year or so, haven't you? I mean, you, yeah, I mean, we all just had one, which was which was a com- completely civil conversation during the recordings thing. He just didn't agree that the there are cracks in the foundation, and you know, yeah. What, but again, we had a civil conversation. I I just wish like if radio people are going to rip on you, Zach, this is directly towards you. Um, <laughs> if, if if someone's going to rip on me in the radio, at least give me a chance to defend my own piece instead of putting poor Jake in a. Uh, position of having to defend it on my behalf, which is completely unfair. So, and again, I'll, you know, I, what I'd say to Brian is um, 
get your head out of the sand. It, this perception, this perception absolutely exists, even if you don't agree with it. And I don't agree with it. That's, that's my take. Okay. Um, what's, and now I've completely gone off the rails. What yeah. what was I supposed to be answering? Yeah, no. So the question is, do you think it has quieted the people that that say that that's not possible? Do you think it's? Yeah, uh, I would think so. I would think so. The proof is going to be in the pudding. Certainly, like are you know these guys I mentioned before, like our high end recruits, um, are they watching this? Um, and and will it pay dividends down the road? I guess the, you know the proof's in the pudding. We'll see that. But I would think it should. I, I would think that. Greg Gard and Joe Krabenhoff and Dean Oliver and Sharif Chambliss can go into a recruit's living room or call him on the phone and send him video of Johnny doing this and the freedom he's, he's had in this offense and say, Hey, this could be you um, or one or more of you. Like if you come here, we will play this way. We're, we're proving right now that we're um, people that back up what we say. So I think it'll help. We'll see, you know, we'll see how much it'll help, but I, I think it should help. If I could add a couple uh, thoughts to this topic, I think it's understandable that people say that whatever small circles it may be in simply because of the infrequency with which Wisconsin has had NBA guys. As we know, the, the way Wisconsin succeeds in college, the guys that they've had, I mean, how many, how many people have gone on to the NBA from Wisconsin in the last decade and how many have been first round picks Kaminsky hey, and well, Decker. Right. And, and so Butch was using Aleem Ford as an example. And my counterpoint oh, was, on. and I don't want to, I don't want to crap on Aleem Ford for, because, you know, great kid, glad he's gotten a taste of the NBA. Um, but he didn't get in, you know, he was undrafted. He was not on any NBA radar. Um, the reason he's played in the NBA this season is because of COVID. And, and, and he just, he wouldn't have, he wouldn't be playing right now if they, if they didn't have so many COVID issues um, on that team. So I'm glad for him. I'm happy for him, but I don't think that proves anything as far as a player in this system, um, you know, defeating that perception that's out there. Yeah. And, and the other thing that I would say is part of this narrative has been fueled by like Tyler hero going on Twitter and talking about what his, what his belief was in going to Kentucky compared to going to Wisconsin. Now there's a guy who would have been in the NBA, no matter where he went, even if it may have taken an extra year at Wisconsin, I don't know. We can only speculate on that, but those are just some of the thoughts that I had. Like I, I, it's understandable why there, there is that perception. I, I do wonder how much, I mean, let's say Johnny goes on and it's national player of the year and is a lottery pick. I wonder how much that single season would change what happens in the future. I, I don't know whether it will or not, but I think of people always complained about when, right when Wisconsin went to back-to-back final fours and, and the, the recruiting should be way better. And it was sort of not, I'm, I'm not picking a side here. I'm just throwing it out. I, I wonder whether it'll, it'll really change much. Certainly you'll have a selling point if you're a coaching staff to go into to players' homes, but I don't know. Yeah, it almost seems like you need more evidence, right? Like I'm wondering if we're yeah. going to need two players to do it. <laughs> right. I don't know. I mean, again, like I'm biased here because I've watched this program for a long time and, and I know the perceptions are false that if you come here, like I watch Bo coach, I watch Greg Gard coach, I know they'll let you play fast if, so long as you're not reckless and um, this year is proving that a little bit more. And if Johnny becomes a lottery pick, I would think it would help, but I, I agree with you. I'm not convinced that it absolutely will. Put you on the spot here, Jim, last question. We're still two months out from selection Sunday, but uh, will Wisconsin be playing at Pfizer forum in March? That's a good one. So uh, 
not to give away story ideas here, but I, I'm I'm curious. I don't know what at what point of the season to do this, but I'm curious. They're really they're they're dragging in the uh, computer rankings yes. and the net rankings and all those things. And a lot of it's because of um, not their resume, but because of their efficiency rankings, which are very pedestrian, um, offensively and defensively. And it, and and that's part of the equation now, and it's dragging them down. Um, so I'm curious to see what kind of seed they get if they don't get a. You know, if they're not a top four seed, I think it's it's more difficult for them to end up in Milwaukee. Although they could end up like that Devon team and as a get there as like a six or even a five or seven, whatever. Um, I you know I don't know. I I would think that they the committee would do everything they can to get Wisconsin to Milwaukee. However, I don't think that's always fair to you know like I mentioned the the, the three seed like Pitt was in in oh three oh four. Um, I think that's that's a tough spot to put that program in that's earned a number three seed and then has to get matched up with like a six like Wisconsin. So I don't know. I'm not answering that question because it's <laughs> too far out. But I, I do All think right, that, Paul Ryan. I think no, I do, but I do think this. I think this team is going to be um a really interesting selection Sunday profile because it very well could have a absolutely terrific resume and an average um computer profile, which is the complete opposite of last season where the team was, didn't have that good of a resume, but was a darling among the computers. Um, and that team got seated ninth. So I don't know how much this, this computer stuff and, and efficiency stuff really matters. Um, but if it works against the UW this season, um, I think that'd be completely unfair. I, I only bring it up because, uh, and, this was like maybe like three weeks before selection Sunday back in 2014. Um, and you asked Bo about it and he went off for some reason. I don't know. He, he, he didn't want to hear it. He didn't want to talk about it, but um, not so the I, only time Bo, not the only time Bo Ryan went off on me. So no, no, but I, it, I, it just stood out because uh, that's obviously the last time. Well, it's not the last time the tournament was in Milwaukee. It was the last time uh, Wisconsin had a chance to be in Milwaukee. And it feels like the way they're playing and there's a lot of obviously a lot of seasons to go, but it's a potential. Uh, it, it's potentially a chance for it to happen, and uh, we'll see if it plays out that way. Jim, uh, really appreciate your time as always, and uh, we'll catch up down the line. Guys, always great talking to you. Take care. All right, so that was Jim Polzine from Lee Enterprises, the columnist. I can say it. Appreciate him joining us as always. I'd like to get your take. Do you think they'll be in Milwaukee for the, the tournament? Yes, I do. You do? Okay. All right. <laughs> I, think they're, I, th- I think they're playing well, and as long as they continue to play this way, and let's say they earn a top seed in the Big Ten tournament, they're a top four team in the league, they're going to give themselves an opportunity to do it. I, I, I understand that the, the computer doesn't necessarily love Wisconsin, but I also think if they stack up wins in this league, get 20-plus wins, I think they'll far exceed that based on how they're playing that they'll have an opportunity to. Here's the thing, like as well as they're playing right now and they're and they're 13th in the in the AP poll but not thought of as well in the net rankings. I think the last time right. they're 23rd in the net rankings. So 23rd in the net rankings, 13th in the AP poll. Uh right now, this according to Joe Lenardi, just the most recent one has them in Milwaukee as a 4 seed. And that seems reasonable even though <laughs> We're still two plus months away, two and a half months away from no, two months. Selection Sunday is right about this. Uh, I shouldn't All say. Right. You, you tell me. You tell me. Well, I don't we know. want two and a half months. If we're going two and a half months, then Selection Sunday is in late March. All right, two two months in a week. I don't know. 
I, I don't have it in my calendar, but but either way, I, I don't I don't think it's that big of a deal that they're 23rd in the net rankings at this juncture. So at worst, you think they're a six seed. They've they've certainly played much better than that to this point. And I've no reason to believe that that won't continue. The interesting thing to me is that there's well, there's two, three Big Ten teams that are ahead of them in the, in the net rankings at this point. Purdue, which is number eight, Illinois at number 11 and Michigan State at 15, and Ohio State, which beat Wisconsin, those two teams are going to play again this week, is 25. So Iowa somehow is 27. Go figure. They must really love what Iowa did in the non-conference. But that's a lot of quality Big Ten teams that Wisconsin is going to have to compete with if you think of how these things are divvied up regionally. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Right now, the Big Ten, according to Lenardi, has seven teams. In the in the NCAA tournament, Minnesota, the first team out. So uh, the seven teams would be tied for the most with the Big East, the SEC, and the Big 12. All, all have would have seven teams at this point. Again, uh, Selection Sunday, March 13th. So we are... All right, you got me. Two months. Two months and two days away from, from actually these selections happening. Wisconsin still has uh, 15 Big Ten games to go, including on Thursday when they will welcome in Ohio State. Uh, the only team that's uh, beaten them with Johnny Davis on the floor because uh, Providence, he, he did not play against Providence. Providence has to be loving what Wisconsin is doing right now. Like even the, you know what I mean? Like that win is their best win. I have to imagine right now. Um, Providence is turned out to be pretty good. Providence is 14 and two right now. They're 35th in the net rankings, but uh, four and one against quad one teams, including Wisconsin. So yeah. it, they wouldn't have won, obviously, if Johnny was on the floor, but that's how it goes. I think we all can agree with that. Uh, and the, a coincidence, uh, Lenardi also has them in Milwaukee as a, as a sixth seed. Uh, Michigan State would be there as well. Again, ways to go. Looking forward to it, though. Wisconsin, Ohio State on Thursday. Then they're going to take on uh, Northwestern next Tuesday. Uh, we'll be back after that. Look ahead to the Michigan State game. Big one coming up uh, the following Friday. Jesse, thank you very much. Thanks a lot, Zach. All right, there is Jesse Temple from The Athletics. Certainly appreciate Jim Polzine as well for coming on. Until next time, you are listening to The Swing here on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.